Hey guys, Luke Peters here. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up before a very magical episode and talk to you about our very magical sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Lost Art Magic. Lost Art Magic, find your way with magic you won't find anywhere else. The links are in the description for their paid and free content, perfect for any level of magician. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram and on their website, lostartmagic.com. Hello, welcome back to I Don't Deserve a Podcast. My name is Luke Peters, and I definitely do not deserve a podcast. Uh, I'm here with a good friend of mine, uh, an amazing creator, performer, and producer. Uh, I'm here with Chris Mayhew. He's uh, working on The Thrillusionist with CBC, which is pretty cool. Um, He's performing Magic starting again uh, after a little bit of a hiatus, and he has performed in China, Chicago, across the United States, across Canada, and in Europe. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? I am awesome. How about yourself, Luke? It's oh, I'm good just, to see you. I'm having a great time. It's been a while. Me and Chris are, 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 yeah. good, are good, good friends, I guess. <laughs> um, so, Chris, today's episode and, well, the basic podcast is mm-hmm. about um, kind of just some of the, the hoops that we have to go through as creators right. and... Um, some of the uh the pressure that you're put you put on yourself right um so i wanted to talk to you um about something you started doing not super recently but in the last little bit you started doing video editing on top of your magic stuff yeah so walk me through what actually started that like secondary project that endeavor yeah it's it's interesting i've actually i've always been interested in video editing um and to be honest i i did dabble uh with it um when i was first starting in magic as well um there's a whole industry of magic that exists uh outside of the performing of it uh there's a whole industry where it's selling magic tricks um to magicians that need magic tricks right you know when you look at a magician and they do it and they show you a trick who created that trick that they're doing, right? It's usually not just that magician. There's usually a very small percentage of magicians that are creating the material for all of the magicians to perform. And so there's this industry for that uh, where you need to be able to make these tricks look good and sell them. And so I actually started video editing by doing that, uh, which was really kind of a cool way to connect magic and my passion for videography, filmmaking, and editing um, and bring them together. So I was doing that around when I first was really getting into the creation of magic. Um, but now that I'm living in Toronto, it's definitely become more uh, where I make my living now is is editing. <laughs> yeah. So that actually leads us right into uh-huh. the the next question. If money was no object and uh-huh. you could only do magic or you could only Ooh. do um, video editing or, or filmmaking, as it were. <laughs> right. Do you think you could make that pick or do you think it's like they're uh, kind of connected at this point? To be honest, they're so interconnected. Like I find anything that I learn magic wise, I can somewhat apply to um, video and editing and vice versa. Any kind of techniques I learn in editing, I could kind of take... Um, that sort of mentality and apply it to my magic, mm. you know, because you're building compositions, right? And magic is the same way. It's a live composition, but it's still, you're still trying to build this moment that the person is going to remember in their, yeah, remember in their mind. And so, yeah, a lot of these techniques are very similar. And to be honest, like, it goes so far back, magic and and movies, they're like, they're so interconnected um, that you really almost 
couldn't have one without the other uh, when you look back how far they go. Um, and so, yeah, it's something where I never realized how connected they were until I started exploring both and discovering that myself. So, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough yeah. one. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to then to go a little bit farther than that. Mm-hmm. Um, were there ever moments where you had to kind of put magic aside or uh-huh. put video editing aside because you're working on a bigger project? Well, recently, um, I, I, I did put magic aside for about a year and a half, um, at least performing magic. Um, and that, it wasn't really that there was a project that, you know, just needed my full attention. So I had to get, you know, stop doing magic. It was definitely more that I was just, well, the weird thing was I had spent about three, three, maybe even four years developing this persona, this this character that I felt, um, was me at the time. And it was, it was very truthful to who I was at the time. Uh, and I had built all these magic routines around that character and that persona. Yeah. But you know, when you 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 grow and you learn and you you know, um, even though you're still the person you've always been, you you learn new things and you 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 do change as a human being. Yeah. And so I, after you you know many years of developing this character, I slowly start to grow out of it. You know. Yeah. And it got awkward because now I was performing shows and I was having to almost act. put on an act, yeah. like put on, like just force myself into this character instead of it, uh, you know, just being natural to me. And I had developed all these magic routines around that. So yeah. I was in this weird spot where I was like, I'm just, I'm not feeling this anymore. And I've spent all these years, you know, honing and developing this. What the heck do I do with this? And so I decided to just uh, put it, you know, on the back burner and just focus on videography and editing for a bit. Um, and so as I did, you develop kind of the next. Yeah, well, just as, just give myself some space from that because I was so close to it and it was hard to see how to do it another way, right? Oh yeah, how to, how to do it another way. Uh, because I was just so close to that character and that, you know, those routines. And so after creating this character and this persona for so long, um, one of the big, the big challenges was I booked a tour in China. Yeah. And it was a 10 city tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, in each city I was doing a lecture. So, uh, a two hour lecture on the magic that I've created, a three hour workshop on, other material I've created, and then a one-hour uh, magic show, and so this was at the like right at the peak of when I was getting all of my routines and comedy and tricks to actually work and get reactions in North America, and of this character, yeah, of this character, and now it's like the test was like, okay, let's bring it to China. Will it work in China? Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, the first show I did in China was a disaster <laughs> um, because I. I don't know, like it was in Shanghai and Shanghai is a very westernized city. And so I, in my mind, I was like, I don't need to adapt this at all to Chinese culture. I'm just yeah. going to do it the way I did in North America. Yeah. And no, nah, people were not, <laughs> were throwing off. And I remember after the show, it was very awkward. Um, and one of the station hosts come up to me. So in each city, there's a station host that will help me, you know, just adapt, uh, and they told me they're like, "Yo, man, I don't think your show's gonna work in China." <laughs> and I was like, "The I first got, show, yeah, the first show." I'm like, "I got ten more cities. <laughs> what do you mean?" Yeah. And so I ended up 
you know, freaking out that night, but then I decided to take on the challenge and figure out how to get the show to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. After that, every other city was amazing, and it worked. I even got a second chance to perform the show in Shanghai, and I was like, all right, this time I got the changes, and it worked. So I got oh, my really? redemption. I got That's my redemption amazing. in Shanghai. Because not a lot of people, performers, get that chance. Yeah, so that was good. And I jumped on it. I was like, another chance to perform the show here? Yes, let me take it. Yeah. Um, and so that was like the last... It was interesting. It was kind of like closure where, okay, the character works. I got it to work in North America. I got it to work in China. But I was, again, growing out of that character. So by the time I came back to Canada and I was doing it more. Um, yeah, I was just like, it was starting to feel awkward for me. Mm. And I was just like, okay, I got to take a step away from this and just um, focus on, you know, my other passion, which is videography and editing and kind of go uh, into that a little more. And yeah, just space that out. Yeah, because the character itself, for those who haven't mm-hmm. seen Chris perform or haven't seen him perform his older stuff, mm-hmm. is very almost like... I would say awkward. professional amateur. Yeah, well, it's it's very much, and you know, there's still a little bit of this in me, but it's just not full on blown like it was. But you know, I was a very nervous about performing stand up magic on a stage. I yeah. didn't really know how to do that necessarily, and so I was, you know, my mind in my mind, I was like, well, if I'm gonna be bad, I might as well be purposely bad. And so that was the whole shtick, you know, was that- Like really lean into that anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And so I come out an awkward, scared character that, you know- Like drops the cards Yeah, dropping fumbly. And I still like that clumsiness, but like it was more this awkwardness of putting on this awkward character that didn't feel confident on stage and it worked for the show that I had created, right? It was like that. But then as I got more and more comfortable being on stage- then the awkwardness started to feel forced, right? Because I was no longer awkward on stage. I had to pretend to be awkward. And um, yeah, it just it just did not end up working the way it, that I envisioned it would. So uh, now I'm you know, able to go on stage as just myself, not awkward shtick. And I can, you know, I've slowly been doing these routines. Uh, my friend Ben and Jonah, they put on a show every week called The Newest Trick in the Book. And it's a space where you get to test out new material. And so I just started taking all my old material and then performing it with my new persona. Or not my new persona, just, you know, as myself. And the the material still works. We're going to talk about improv Mm -hmm. in a little while, but... I did a, a show, like a film noir, an improvised okay. film noir. And so right. that show... I love it. I have seen this. This yeah. is great. In Chicago, you did yeah. it. Yeah, so that format is very simple. It's mm-hmm. you find a very... Uh, a job that you wouldn't go to... Or a crime that you wouldn't go to jail for, like jaywalking or something like that. <laughs> right. And I play a bumbling detective <laughs> really leaning into that film noir world. But That's the thing funny. is, is as I kept doing it, it felt a little less improvised and it felt Mm -hmm. a little less i guess scary uh Uh, and so i felt really comfortable in it and instead of like really developing this character and really getting into the character Uh i got really scared by that i got scared by the idea of like oh this is like uh this isn't this isn't enough so (laughs) at a show i did at second city at a really it was a really big show um halfway through the show i'm like this is bad no one likes that even though everyone was enjoying it Uh and like afterwards people talked to me about it but Mm -hmm. halfway through the show 
I kind of stopped for a second. I looked at the audience and I made like a portal sound and I came out from the other side of the stage. I'm like, uh, like, uh, Dalton, you have to come back. You have to come back to the future with me. <laughs> and then like, I step over the other side. It's like, what are you talking about? Smoke cigarette. Like, and I'm like pulling this character and I'm like, and like, I get a laugh cause it's dumb. Right. It's, it's wacky and startling. It's like, yeah, when did this startling. portal come in? Yeah, exactly. And it's just me playing multiple characters. Yeah. But, um, it felt so weird. But at the same time, it's almost like making it so serious is what made it funny in yeah. a way, right? Exactly, because I like... committed to the character. <laughs> right. That's where the comedy the comedy comes from the format, not from the actual like lines right. of dialogue. And, you know, when you get in your head like that, it's 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 very tough, you know, because the your own mind is very much uh it's the hardest critic <laughs> yeah exactly right? so if you're you might be thinking one thing oh these people are hating it but really they could be enjoying it you know and especially um, with something dramatic like you're not getting as much of a reaction yeah you know they might even be you know just engaged and exactly. wanting to know what happens more but yeah you know i had it recently where um I because i've been shooting live bands lately you know cuz uh, i don't know i just i'm trying to just get as much variety of experience with videography and editing and that type of stuff. And so I, there's a lot of live music in Toronto. Yeah. And so, um, the, the guy that I work on the Thrillusionists, uh, with the CBC miniseries, he also, he's a Jack of all trades and he manages a band and he, you know, produces music and stuff. And so he invited me out to shoot the band he manages. And I brought my rig, I brought my camera, my gimbal and, I've one of the big things is I've been trying to I just got a gimbal so I've been trying to get you know gigs to work on my gimbal skills exactly and so luckily this was you know a, a gig where he just it was a free gig and there's not much pressure but I still wanted to produce good footage yeah and so I shot the band and their performance and honestly I was so scared of that footage I was like oh I don't think they're gonna like this like you know I wasn't as dynamic with the gimbal as I could have been because I didn't have it set up as well as I could have yeah and I was just so self-conscious about my footage I was like oh my god they're gonna I don't even want to show this footage to them like maybe I just tell them that like I don't know I lost but, the uh, SD yeah card. just something but I was like no like it's embarrassing but I'll just send it to them so I sent it to to my buddy Stu and uh he showed it to the band and then he, you know, writes me back. He's like, they love it. We love it. The footage is great. And I'm like, whoo, you know, but I was all in my head, just like so scared that they weren't going to like the, you know, the stuff that I uh, shot that, uh, yeah. you know, you, you sometimes your head can really mess with you in that way. Yeah, like exactly. Like, and I want to bring up this quote that I was, I was looking at. I did a lot of research mm -hmm. on the idea of, of creators with the multi-talent uh, background uh -huh. And there's a really great piece by uh, a gentleman by Douglas Eby, mm -hmm. uh, and it's called Developing Multiple Talents, and it's the personal side of creative expression. And so the quote goes, mm -hmm. the complexity of high ability, multi-talented creative people shows up in many ways, such as having and often being challenged by many interests and passions. Going off that quote, do you find yourself being challenged by your passions a lot where it's like you want to focus on one thing but you know that you want to focus on this other thing as well yeah it, it can be difficult because you know there's only enough time in a day for so much yeah uh and yeah i find that um right now you know i'm i'm making most of my living from videography and editing um but at the same time, I'm feeling this bug to get back into to magic and start 
you know, performing again. And I, I've been doing, you know, the random gigs here and there. Um, but yeah, there is part of me that's like, man, like if I just, you know, stop juggling all this stuff and just really hone down on one single thing and do that for a bit, you know, I'm sh- I know there'll be an ex- exponential amount of improvement. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's sort of what I did with videography and editing, you know, by taking a break off of magic for a year and a half and just focusing on that. But yeah, now I feel like I maybe I should do that for magic as well. <laughs> do you find that like your range of interests, like your magic, your mm-hmm. love of film, your love of uh, video editing and storytelling mm-hmm. and performing too, do you find that it limits your focus? Like, do you find that it's harder for you to focus now that you have, you've gotten used to doing all these things? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I find... If there if there's like something really important that like needs to get done, then yeah, like I can focus down and and do that. I think it's again coming back to that spreading yourself too thin thing, where like you know I I'd want to, for instance, magic. I'm trying to develop a, a actually a kids show right now of all That's things. That's cool. <laughs> you know I've never done a kids show before. It's a great I, format. I've tried to adapt like my adult material to a kids show, but it's just not the same as like just making a show for kids from the scratch yeah um but yeah i'm finding that's kind of hard to really bunker down and, and focus on you know because i have all these videos that i have to edit for clients and get get that done you know and so it's kind of like a priority complex in a way yeah you know where you just have to set your priorities and this is something i do care about doing um you know especially um you know my girlfriend christine has been super supportive of everything and she's really you know wanting me to try out this kids so stuff and she's got some great ideas with it um and so now i feel almost like this obligation where it's like well if she's really pushing me and cares about me doing this and i want to do it well that's just even more incentive to do yeah. it you know well it's almost <laughs> like with the other stuff there's no one real pushing it you, yeah you you're just pushing yourself yeah just that self-motivation <laughs> and so it's almost harder when there's someone else pushing you because you're like is it for me is it for them right and well I, I know ultimately it is it's for, for me. you but you know what i mean you get that in that yeah. in your head that little seed um, definitely but yeah no that seems like a really and I'm sure that you're not alone in that where mm-hmm. you have this 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 want to do this project this like mm-hmm. I I shot my my thesis project and I wanted to re-edit it and animate yeah. some of the scenes and um it was just it's just such an undertaking yeah and it's not there's no money in it right now yeah and that's a difficult thing right especially when you're doing something purely for the passion and there's not you know a even a short-term game plan for money. Um, yeah. You know, there might be long-term, and there pro- usually is, you know, for a passion. If you really commit to that passion exactly. long enough, there will be a payoff. But, you know, you got to you gotta eat <laughs> yeah. right now, not later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it can be a difficult thing to decide, like, okay, do I put down, you know, this stuff I'm doing that's making me money uh, to focus on this thing that's, that's not going to make, make me yeah, money. Yeah. But at the same time, it's so important, right? And that's the only way that things get made is by someone sacrificing, you know, a certain amount of time to do something regardless of, you know, whether it's going to make them money or not, right? And yeah, so like it's super, that's art. That's yeah, art. <laughs> it's art. It's art. Like, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because it's like, I still don't have a resume from, like, uh-huh. I think the last time I did a resume was in 
um, like October or something right. like that. And like you want to keep that up to date. <laughs> for but sure. I find that it's easier for me to get jobs that I love doing uh-huh. with a demo reel. Right. And well, a demo reel is sort of like the videographer's version of a of a resume. Yeah. But the thing is, is this is this is where the catch is. It's like mm-hmm. if I want to have a day to day job. Yes. Like a like a, a job in media, <laughs> that resume makes a huge it's huge thing. But if I want to build up a, li- a list of clients, you kind of look at the uh, the different sides yeah. of it, right? And resumes, like, because I worked on my resume recently. Um, uh, when you know, just to updated and it was it's a it's a tough thing it's, it's not fun it's not fun because it makes you focus on yourself first of all yeah but like critically focus on yourself and like see reevaluate. like yeah where what are your accomplishments so far what <laughs> makes you worth getting this job you yeah know? why do people want you <laughs> and a lot of to be honest like you get so so like i remember you know for when i worked on my resume um you know magic for instance that's not something that looks good on a resume at no. all. You know, you perform magic for like 10 years, even if you're making a killing at it. Yeah. You put like magic performer on a resume from 2010 till present. It looks, does not look yeah. <laughs> like anything. And so I'm like, what the, f-? you know, I'm making my resume. Luckily, I do have videography and other stuff, you know, but yeah, it, 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 can be, it's hard. it can be a tough thing. You know, you got to make yourself look good even yeah. if uh, you don't think you're that good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the funny thing is I worked at a, like a retail store uh-huh. uh, for like over a year and I was like... And that's good for the resume. When you can show that you've been employed for over a year at one place. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> it's, huge. it's huge. And the thing is, is like I forgot to put it on my resume because it's like I didn't... <laughs> It, it wasn't something I pa- I was passionate about. But right. then on the other side of it, you're totally right. It's that consistency. It's yeah. like, why would someone want to hire someone who only has like six months to a project? Right. When like you can <laughs> yeah, have... They, yeah. Having a year anywhere um, is just huge for a resume because it yeah. shows the employer that like you'll at least give them a year. Yeah. You know? You have a year for me <laughs> starting now. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the big reasons why I started working at a editing studio every couple of days. Uh, yeah. You know, I've, I've been there for over a year now, mm-hmm. but one of the big purposes was when I first sat down to do my resume because I had been doing magic for so long, right? And not having like a, a real, um, you know, re, uh, any kind of job that... Uh, consistent. Is, yeah, that's consistent. You know, like the magic's consistent, but it's it just doesn't look good on paper. So no, it doesn't. I'm looking at my resume and I'm like, fuck, I gotta have something. <laughs> like yeah. And so, luckily, like, you know, I have, like, freelance video on there, and too, which looks all right. But, yeah. um, again, just having something from an employer, that's what it is. Having exactly. something for a year from an employer that's not yourself <laughs> Yeah. Um, just looks good on a resume. And, uh, you know, it, passionate or not, it's, you know, like, the studio I'm working at, it's not, you know, projects that I'm passionate about working on but they're you know it's getting my editing chops up i'm still learning you're building the skills and yeah i'm building those skills and it just it's building the resume and it looks good um you know and i've managed to find i always seem to do this i managed to find jobs where it somehow complements my chaotic schedule yeah you know where because i'm it's so random magic so random and also you know freelance videography and that type of stuff you kind of have to be available all the time to like get the gigs. Yeah. And when you work a day job of some sort where you have to commit to 
a schedule like a nine to five yeah, yeah then that just makes that diff it makes it impossible to do anything exactly. like that but luckily this studio that i work at they're chill and i can come in whenever i need to you know um and so yeah it just works well with my schedule which i'm very lucky that it does um but yeah somehow i've always managed to find jobs like even when i worked at rogers when i first moved to toronto somehow i managed to strike up a deal with my manager where I was like on call <laughs> where like anytime I didn't have magic or something going on, then I could call him up and he'd give me work. Right. And then that's supposed to be like what? A, a nine to five job. <laughs> what? That, no, <laughs> I that's <know>. hilarious. <laughs> so like I've always somehow managed to like get a job you that, know, works, that with you. works with my, my weird schedule. Just to end off, um, uh, just as our final little uh, piece is sure. um, you actually kind of got to fulfill the dream of, connecting those two passions with a film uh -huh. that you made right yeah a while ago a while <laughs> when ago I first moved to the city yeah and <laughs> so chris actually made a film called a series of unfortunate effects yeah nailed it just a parody parody of uh, it's a giant parody of just a bunch of stupid shit yeah but the thing is is like I, I know that it's a while ago and you probably have moved on to other things. You <laughs> yeah. were talking about making a sequel a few years ago. Yeah, it's still still in the works. It's a, it's a tough thing, though. <laughs> yeah, it, well, the thing is, is just for, for our fans uh, mm -hmm. or for the listeners, um, the basic idea is uh, you you basically have a narrative going, but then uh -huh. whenever there's a trick, there's almost like an explanation for the for it. Yeah, so that was a, a learning lesson. So the way that, again, we're going back to this whole magic uh, videos being sold to magicians uh, to learn the tricks. Mm. Um, this was always a, this is a thing where you make a video or a DVD uh, and then you put a bunch of magic tricks on it and then explain to the viewer how the trick works and that's how they learn it. Um, but most of the projects that have come out uh, are very much just a blueprint for the magic. Yeah, exactly. Where I wanted it to be something that's just entertaining to watch on top of learning the magic. Um, and so that's what this project was, was adding a narrative and a storyline uh, where you're following this, these magicians on this journey. And on the journey, they meet people that will show them magic tricks and teach them. And my learning lesson was um, I should have just kept all the explanations in like the bonus section of somewhere and just let the story and the magic tricks themselves uh, happen, yeah. right? Um, because the the explanations end up interrupting it kind of and the flow. Um, but that's what the the next one I want to do is it'll be um, it'll be the actual magic performances and the the story. But we won't we'll leave the explanations out, uh, or even have like something very similar to what. Um black mirror did where you uh, could have like an interactive like you can click on it to all right well to go to that. one thing i was thinking of is i would have a behind the scenes uh doc shot of the production mm. and in the behind the scenes that's where the magic would be taught for the the oh, magicians um but yeah that that was a it was a cool experiment and the first time just getting the feet uh really wet uh in connecting you know magic and storytelling and videography together so my the main characters are me and my friend ben train uh who is the guy that puts on uh, the newest trick in the book uh every week and everybody's a it's a free show so come out to it but and where uh, is that one that's at uh seascape uh in the junction 
Um, it's, it's a great, just a great platform for magicians to just experiment and work on material. Yeah. So Ben, he, he's the, he's my kind of like my main, my main uh, friend in the, in, in the, the movie film, that yeah. uh, we go on this adventure together. And then we have a bunch of my other friends, my buddy Chris Westfall, who's a magician, and he's got some funny stuff in that. Uh, my buddy Glenn West, who actually, uh, this company that um, I am running right now, we just released one of Glenn West's tricks on it. Oh, cool. And it's been, it's been very, very highly received. Uh, nice. People are digging it. Um, and so that's really just a great thing to be able to shed some light on some of his magic that doesn't get um, uh, the attention that it deserves. Uh, And that's really one of the big things about this project was I just wanted to shed light on all of my friends that don't get nearly enough attention that uh, I would like them to because I think they're so awesome. Yeah. Uh, And then Jeff Hinchliffe, who is, he works at the magic shop. Uh, He is in that uh, project as well and he has some wonderful material uh, and then my friend Lee Asher, uh, he's kind of a, a, a guest, uh, a cameo in it. And uh, there's also this guy, Bill Abbott, who uh, uh, Lee Asher and Bill Abbott are kind of like the, you know, the 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 seasoned pros. The heavy hitters. <laughs> yeah, the heavy hitters. So I just wanted to have them have cameos in that project. Watch a giveaway when this podcast comes out. Uh, keep an eye on our Instagram Um and uh, watch a post about uh, one lucky pr- listener will actually get uh, a copy of the a uh, hard film. copy. Thank you so much for being on the show, Chris. Anywhere people can check you out. Where are you performing? Who are you performing? Yeah. Um, again, newest trick in the book is a great place. People should come to that. Um, so yeah, I, you know, there's a bunch of different venues around the city, uh, and I'm gonna start performing at uh, all of them. So you'll catch, you can catch me just randomly around the do city. Do you have an uh, Instagram where people can follow you for I the do. show dates? I do uh, go to Chris Mayhews. I, even though my name is Mayhew, it's pluralized for Instagram. Pluralized. <laughs> so Chris Mayhews uh, at Chris Mayhews on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's uh, that's where people can find about the shows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Chris Mayhew, our uh, guest for this week's episode. You can catch him around the city performing magic and performing into the people's hearts and souls. Uh, thank you so much, guys. And once again, I don't deserve a podcast, but I hope I deserve you guys to keep listening. So make sure you subscribe to all of our great content. Check us out on Instagram and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Hey guys, uh, the intro for this show was recorded by Isaac Teague. You can check him out on YouTube under the name Isaac Teague.